It's your girl and boy CT. I'm Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. Sponsored by Journey 333. That is a place of mind, body, spirit that helps you with fitness, coaching, and nutrition to look better, live better, and feel better. We produce these episodes every week for your enjoyment to help people to overcome adversity and live their dreams. Yo, 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 it's your girl and boy CT. I'm Travis Barnes. And I'm Cindy Barnes. And we're the founders of Journey 333 and the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. Journey 333 is a sponsor of our show. And that is a place where you can go to look better, live better, feel better. That's one of the threes. There's fitness, coaching, and nutrition. And it's mind, body, and spirit. Today, we got Pete Holman in the house. He's a national Taekwondo champion. He's an inventor. He's a presenter. He's an author. He's a personal friend, fellow masterminder. Love this guy. Can't wait for you to meet him. Pete, welcome to the show. Hey, this is a special time, folks. Thanks for having me on this uh, one in a million podcasts. I'm pumped. Ah, oh, thank you, Pete. Thanks for being on here. You know, uh, Cindy, I, I know that we want to go deep. You know, Pete, a lot of people know that you are this awesome presenter, that, you know, you're just, uh, you know, you're, you're a national Taekwondo champion. You're a man's man. You're our kind of guy. <laughs> you know? Are. Yeah. But we want to ask him. Right. Yeah. So, Pete, now with everything Travis just said, all, all the accolades, there's a ton for us to get to, but let's start back at the beginning. Mm. Let's start back when you were in school. Tell us a little bit about how you grew up, um, you know, how, how things started for you, and then mm. we'll, we'll kind of go through the years and get to, to where we are today with, with all the things that you've accomplished. Mm. So take mm. us back. Oh, you're going right, right into it, huh? I'm yeah. going right into it. We want to know what inspired you to yeah. become who you are. I know. Yeah, it's interesting because I've done numerous podcasts. And I'm not sure I've really shared this story. So um, we're better to share it on than, than the Overcomers podcast. Um, first of all, I was adopted. Um, and so that was, that was kind of a unique position. And as I grew up, as I was talking to friends and other family folks and I realized that that's a kind of a unique thing. Like not a lot of kids are adopted. You don't, you don't run into a lot. And so I felt kind of alone growing up, but also unique. So it was kind of a catch 22. Um, my parents, my adopted parents um, uh, adopted me and they had a nice relationship. And at one point it, it turned South and they got divorced and I was seven years old. And I remember it like it was yesterday. And uh, a lot of us have had divorced parents. It's just a very traumatic thing, especially when you're young. You know, sometimes if you're 18 or 21, you at least kind of understand that relationships are hard. But when you're seven, you just think, these are my parents. This is forever. So that was a big blow. I moved with my wife, with my uh, mom and my sister to Colorado. We were living in Connecticut. And we started life in Colorado. And I love Colorado. It was mountains. It was biking, surfing, or it's not surfing, skiing, biking, hiking, and all that outdoor stuff. Um, and not too long after we were there, my mom started hanging out with another woman, very nice woman. She, she became friends and ended up, they became a partners. They ended up in a, a relationship together. So I was being raised by two women. My father was still on the East Coast in New York with his private practice. And so that was a very unique thing. Keep in mind, this is back in the 70s. So um, homosexuality, you know, is an interesting thing. It has evolved over the times. It's much more accepted today. People are more conversive about it. Uh, Back then, it was it was not 
-hmm. not cool to, to go out and be braggadocious about, hey, I've got two lesbian parents. Right. So it set the stage, not having my father around and having two women in my life. And by the way, I had a sister. So I was really around three women, which is at times great, you know, because there's nurturing and all that. And then other times you, you kind of like, where's the male role model, you know? Sure. And um, so in middle school, I, I was picked on. I was bullied. And I'll never forget in eighth grade. And one, one day I, these guys did not like me. And for all the other reasons, I lacked a lot of security um, and, and confidence. My ego was really diminished. And so I guess I was a good target to be picked on. And they locked me in a locker, a, t a small like locker, athletic locker at the end of the day. And so I kind of thought they were joking, you know, and they were going to put me in there and then they were going to let me out. And they left. I mean, it's the end of the day in school. And all the kids are left, gone. I'm in there. And I hear this janitor kind of, you know, mopping the floor in the back and he slowly comes by and I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. I'm humiliated. You know, like I'm 13 and I'm trying to become a man. And here I've got lesbian parents. I'm with three women. I'm trying to find my father's not around. I'm trying to find my manhood. And it has just been stripped from me in one instant by some bullies that throw me in a locker. And this janitor must've heard me whimpering or, or you know, I, I didn't want him to find me. I literally was like, I'm cool here all night. You know, it's kind of cozy. I'm comfortable in here. And this guy heard me and he said, hey, son, well, what's going on? And I was quiet and he opened up the locker, let me out. And I, a, a tear came down my eye, you know, and I didn't want anybody to see me like that. And this, this guy was so cool, man. He was like this older dude, older black dude. And he said, hey, man. And I, I kind of looked down. And he said, look at me, look at me, son. And I looked up at him. And he said, hey, man, this doesn't define you. This is a moment in time. Yeah. And then he walked off and like it never happened, but I never forgot like right. this old guy who I think he's a janitor. He's cleaning up locker rooms after these stupid, you know, young kids are messing everything up. He had more wisdom than anybody in that room. And uh, that was kind of my first experience with number one, overcoming adversity and being humiliated because everybody knew I got locked in yeah. um, and then facing a, a grown man and having somebody really empathize and, you know, I don't know what that guy's experience was growing up as a black man. Keep in mind, this was in the 70s. So and he was in his maybe mid 40s. So he like, you know, yeah. he had some adversity. Um, and, and that moment, brief moment of time where he comforted me and, and was empathetic. Uh, you know, that was kind of the start of me finding myself. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we're talking to a national Taekwondo champion who was bullied at one time. And, you know, there are things in your life that sometimes either become a tombstone or a stepping stone. Well, I mean, you're a national Taekwondo champion, so you must have taken moments like that and turned them into stepping stones, maybe let them motivate you into different places. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, either other moments or, or just, you know, how that kind of took the course of your life to where it is? Absolutely. But first, I'm going to have a conversation with this chickadee bird outside. Hold on one second. Because <laughs> <laughs> I love that little bird out there, but he's got to shut up. I've got something to yeah. say. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's great. Okay, well, thanks for asking him. To um, so, yeah, the, you know, we are shaped by our experiences. And, and they can do one of two things. And you guys know this better than any, anyone. Uh, you know, I, I'm familiar with your story. Um, they can, they can be the start of your demise 
or they can be fuel for the fire, right? And you have to make a conscious decision because everybody understands both sides of the stone. You know, you, you hear about the underprivileged kids that grow up in the inner city ghettos with, with no running water and no electricity and, and wearing the same pair of shoes for four years in a row and not having access to, to healthy, nutritious meals. And yet they become, you know, football players in the NFL or, or valedictorians at their school or whatever. Um, and then you hear the same story as somebody that just can't quite ever get it together. And, they, and they're addicts. They're, they, they, they can't hold a job. They can't keep a relationship. Um, and, and, and to some extent, I really believe it's in your mind. It's your mindset. You know, it's like Wayne Dyer talks about that. Prem Rawat talks about that. Gandhi talks about it. Jesus Christ talks about it. I mean, what do you think prayer is about? It's about setting your intentions of who you want to be, how you want to achieve your goals, and, and then walking the walk. Um, so, you know. The difference, I mean, I, I don't want people to miss this. You're saying the difference between the person that may have suffered something that you suffered and then just spent the rest of their life in fear, or somebody who suffered what you suffered, the bullying, and then became a national Taekwondo champion, is the way that they set their mind to receive the information. Right. Absolutely. And, and, you know, looking back at my career, you, you mentioned this at the start, you know, I've had some nice accomplishments mm-hmm. um, at the U S national Taekwondo uh, champion and team captain, by the way, at the 97 world championships in St. Petersburg, Russia, that was a huge highlight of my athletic career. Um, graduating from graduate school, getting a master's degree in physical therapy. That was a huge highlight. By the way, I did that both of those in 97. So I was in graduate school trying to get my degree, my master's degree, which is not easy to do, especially when you got a bunch of rocks in your head like me. And at the same time, I'm competing at the highest level in amateur martial arts. Um, and then, you know, my finding a job at an, at an elite medical facility in Aspen, and then creating my first product and the rip trainer and the Nautilus glute drive. If you don't know about that stuff, I do a lot of product invention. Um, these, these are all huge accomplishments, in my opinion, at the same time, they didn't come without struggle or sacrifice or adversity or hurdles. I mean, it has been like pulling my hair out and and clenching my teeth and and like grinding through it for years to, to reach those accomplishments. So everything that has happened good in my life, and it's not just business, it's my relationships having you know a daughter raising a daughter it has come at the the hand of adversity and that's when you truly grow and that's when you evolve and that's when you progress and that's when you develop so it's kind of weird it's like god's uh you know interesting paradox you can't have one without the other otherwise and you hear stories about people winning the lottery right i'm a millionaire woohoo and they go to vegas woo and their friends and their family are buying cars and two years later what happens they're on the streets. It's because cr- you don't have that sense of, I built this. I own this. I'm empowered now. I did this on my own. You don't feel that unless you've done it on your own, unless you drug your feet through the mud for four years, five years on a project. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, everything I've accomplished has come with great sacrifice and great adversity. And that's why it's so empowering. And, and for the folks that are listening and, you know, you can frame that up in your own lives. By the way, it doesn't have to be a big thing that you've accomplished or overcome. Some people holding a nine to five job and providing a basic shelter for their family so that their kid maybe can go to college one day or have some success. 
That is an unbelievable accomplishment. Look around, look at how many deadbeat fathers or, or you know, drug addicted mothers there are out there that are ruining kids. You know, it doesn't have to be something magnificent. It just has to be solid that you have to work on it. And then you own that, you are a star parent. Yeah, so let me ask you, was it, was there a moment uh, was it just the environment, you know, you're, you're in this environment. And so maybe, you know, or was it overcompensating? Was there this moment in, you know, maybe being bullied where, you know, you just uh, felt so inspired and so determined to set out on that path to, uh, you know, learn the Taekwondo and uh, do what you did. You know, one of the biggest moments in my life um, was in my junior year of high school. So all that stuff happened. I was bullied in my middle school years and high school. I was kind of an introvert. Um, my junior year of high school was terrible. I mean, folks, I, can I, can I say this? Um, I smoked more weed than Cheech and Chong. And that is a true story. My junior year of high school. And most people don't know that they think I'm some square blockhead jock. I was a bad dude in high school. Just, not on the right path, not hanging out with the right people. Didn't play one sport my junior year. I just lost, I was lost. So I'm cleaning out my locker. It's literally the last day. And what's in my mind, I'm like, I'm gonna go get high. I can't wait to be out of this stupid school. I hate school. My GPA fell you know, to the floor. And I'm walking by the strength and conditioning room because it was right by my locker. And there was a big sign on the wall. It said, you know, training for next year starts now with now in like capital letters, you know? And so I was like, huh. And I looked, I was looking in the window and I saw like uh, Jeff Musselman and Ron Kaiser and all these dudes working out and they had their shirts off and they looked yoked. And I was like, man, and I was impressed, but I was also really intimidated. I didn't lift weights. I didn't know what to do. And I start to back away from the door and the door swings open like violently. And there's this, this coach there. And he's like, what's up? I was like, I, he's like, are you going to train or are you going to stand there looking stupid? And I said, well, I guess I'm going to train. <laughs> and I walk in the door and I said, uh, coach, and I'm kind of, now I'm like, I literally was physically shaking because all these studs were in there and I'm just some pot smoking dude that has no clue what's going on. I said, coach, I don't know what to do. I, I've never lifted weights, you know? And for those of you that have been, I don't know, 16 years old or whatever, and you're a guy and you look up to Arnold Schwarzenegger and all these powerful, big, strong men, and then you get into that environment and you, you are none of that, it's very scary, intimidating, and, and nerve-wracking. And so the coach said, hey, you just train with me. I'm doing dips and, and calf raises today. And I said, okay, okay. So we start, we go from dips to calf raises, to dips to calf raises. Now, folks, I don't know if you've ever done calf raises before when you've never done them in your life. And then you do proceed to do eight sets in a row. I couldn't walk. I literally, it was like I was on high heels. For the next two weeks. <laughs> right? and, and then from the dips, my costal cartilage was like ripped off my sternum. So in one hand, this was the worst strength coach I'd ever met. But on the other hand, he fundamentally changed my life because that day he could have just said, piss off, get out of here. You're wasting my time. He, he, figuratively and literally opened the door to change, to fundamentally change my life forever, because that was the day I started working out. And for my senior year, I said, man, I'm playing football. It's my senior year. I quit pot 
like cold turkey that day. I quit drinking. I told my friends, hey, I'll hang out with you, but I'm not doing all this stupid stuff. I, I ran every single night. And my senior year, I started football. And I wasn't really that good of a football player. And I was, you know, I was young. I developed late. I graduated when I was 17. So I just was kind of a scrawny, you know, awkward, gangly kid. And it wasn't until I want to say 20 years that I kind of like, you know, puffed up and grew, grew into my body and grew into my mind. And that's when I started martial arts. Wow. Okay. So you didn't start it until later years of high school. Uh, no. And in fact, it was talk about intimidating on, on another front. When I started training, there was kids that had been training for 10 years that were my, wow. you know, since they were 10. That's and I just I got, I got my head bounced around like a bobblehead doll. But to um, go so far so late. And, and, you know, this is a good one, too, for the parents that are listening that have teenagers. You know, we, we know who they are, right? You know, you struggle because maybe your kids are smoking pot and you don't want them to be or whatever. But in an instant, when you found another passion, you could let go of this addiction that was maybe just filling a void, waiting for you to find something that you're truly connected with that you could be more excited about than Smoking as much pot as Cheech and Chong. <laughs> more. more, more, sorry. I didn't mean to more. shortcut you out of that, you know. Uh, but no, that's a good lesson right there, you know. And then you go into something late in life that you haven't done. And I call it late in life because certainly some kids were tiny ninjas, right? You know, learning the Taekwondo and going through it. And then uh, just, you know, it's never too late. It's never too late if you got a passion. It, it, it's 1000%. And it's also a great lesson for um, adolescents or parents of adolescents out there that we have very different develop, developmental processes and, and cadences. And, you know, you always remember in high school that one guy or gal that was, you know, fully developed and the guy had a full beard, you know, when he was 16 years old and you had muscles and, and traps and, you know, strong athlete. And then there's kids like me that, gosh, they just can't find their way. And all of a sudden, at like 19 years old, it's like, what happened to Holman? You know, I filled out and I started working out and I just needed that catalyst to, to get me on, on the proper trajectory. So, um, yeah, patience, 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 hard work, dedication, perseverance and an indomitable spirit. Just that belief that I don't care what happens in my life. I'm going to make it happen. It's up to me. Yeah. You get connected with your body and it takes you on a great path. You know, you become a physical therapist and, and then uh, you become an inventor, uh, inventor of, you know, we talked about the rib trainer, the, the glute tribe. Let me ask you, what has been your greatest challenge along the way that you think has been maybe a defining moment in your career? Because you've presented for a lot of major uh, fitness education and you put out a lot of education on your own and, you know, I'm just wondering if there was a defining moment. It could be a challenge or it could just be a moment that really uh, helped to shape your career. Without a doubt, my first product. So I was in, I'd been practicing therapy for a few years and I was in the clinic one day and there was, you know, I couldn't find a foam roller. It's as simple as that. And I, I get frustrated. I'm like, I'm, I've got an agenda. I want to be efficient. I want to be effective with my patients. And I couldn't find my gear. And it was strewn all over the floor. There was BOSU balls over here, foam rollers over there, elastic cords over there underneath the tables. And I said, wouldn't it be great if there was a rack or something that would organize all this stuff? And that's when I first had this idea. I'm like, I, why can't I make a rack? And I'm thinking just for the studio so I can never lose anything again. 
And I went and I drew stuff up and it, it was called the functional training rack. And nobody knows about this product because it failed <laughs> miserably. Although it set a precedent. If you look now online, you can find racks that hold, in fact, Life Fitness even makes a rack for kettlebells and weights and it has stability ball holders, hoop holders on the side. That was my design, 2008, is the stability ball hoop that you could place a ball in. Nobody knows that. Um, but I launched it in 2008, 2009. And at that point, the industry, well, the financial markets were collapsing. The real, in, in America, real estate, um, if anybody tried to buy a house in that time, which we did, you had a terrible experience. Um, real estate crashed, um, steel prices doubled, gas prices doubled. And by the way, Beijing was building structures, magnificent structures for the Olympics. And they were buying all the steel in the world, literally all the steel. So you couldn't find steel. And the cost of my product literally doubled overnight. So I put all this blood, sweat, tears, and energy, probably spent $50,000 of my own pocket out of hard-earned personal training and physical therapy money on this product in it. And it failed. I ended up give, you know, basically giving them to perform better um, for nothing. Wow. However, I learned everything about how to build a product. The process of question. that was going to be my question. You know, what did the failure teach you, right? You know, because there's there's always a lesson, right? In anything, good and bad. And so I learned how to um, what to do, what not to do. I learned about sales and marketing. I learned about product liability insurance. I learned about uh, patents and invention um, protocols. I learned about uh, shipping and kitting and fulfillment of product. Um, and and I learned about trade shows. I went to a trade show. That's my first trade show ever at URSA in 2008 or 2009. And that exposed me to the trade show industry and all these other cool products. And I said, this is kind of cool. This is innovative. This is cutting edge for, for fitness geeks out there. URSA is like a car show where all the new cars are out, you know, the Jaguar and the Maserati and the this and that. Well, the fitness world, it's URSA. And you go and you see all this cool technology and it really stimulated, and that me, and that was the start of my, this bug I got to invent, to solve problems, to help people with their health, wellness, and vitality, um, and, and to try to make some money, you know, like, we work hard, we want to, not, not in an ego way, like, I don't want to fly a Gulf Stream, right. um, but at the same time, I want to have financial stability for my family, I want to go to a dinner and not look at the menu and go, you know, oh my gosh, the steak is $38. I'm not getting that. I'll get the chicken Alfredo. Like, come on. Right, 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 right. right. Yes, yes. So true. So no losses, only lessons. There's a, there's a great little takeaway there. And then you're uh, later on down the road. I, I love the story, you know, for those that actually work out in the gyms or listening that, um, you know, are experiencing different TRX products. Um, you're the one behind the rip trainer. How did that happen? Yeah, the rip trainer was another problem, and I just tried to solve it. I was training an X Games athlete by the name of, of Mike Schultz in Aspen, and he was a snowcross athlete. So if you don't know what snowcross is, you, you take a snowmobile and you soup it up so it's as fast and explosive as you can imagine. By the way, sleds are like 400 pounds. So you're ripping around a bank turn at 50 miles an hour on a 400-pound sled, and so I'm training this guy and he says, yeah, my back's irritated. My, I feel like my core's not strong enough and I've got X games in two weeks. What do I do coach? 
And so I started doing all, like all my functional stuff and I've got great programming chops and lift patterns and, and single leg activity. And that was all great. But I was laying in my bed one day and I looked up at my closet ride and I said, man, that kind of looks like a snowmobile handle. <laughs> and I got this, it was like a light bulb and I just throw all my clothes up and I grab the closet rod and I go down to my garage and I screw an eye bolt into the end. And I grab an old sport cord and connect it with a carabiner and I connect that to a ski rack. And I start imagining like snowmobiling. I put some load on the cord, you know, stretched out. And I'm just steering from left to right, shifting my body weight. And my core was instantly on fire. I felt the balance challenge. And then of course, my martial arts kicked in. And I'm like, I wonder if you could strike with this. You know, so I start rapidly moving the bar back and forth, pushing, pulling, jousting. And after 15 minutes, I'm drenched with sweat and, and, I'm, and I'm, I've got goosebumps. In fact, I've got goosebumps right now because it was just th these moments in our life. We only have a few of them, right? On a, we can count on a hand. And this was one of them. And, and I said, man, this is pretty friggin' cool. Yeah. And so I took it to Mike Schultz and we started training with this thing. And he loved it. He said, this totally mimics the forces that I feel when I'm turning. And sure enough, he went out, had a great successful X Games, and he said, Pete, hey, um, I'm going back to Minnesota. Can I get that bar from you? And I said, well, I only have one. He's like, yeah, but I, can, I, can I have the bar? And, I'm, and, of course, I'm a good guy. So I'm like, yeah, I take the bar. But that's when, again, I thought, you know what? If he, want, if he likes it that much, and he's an elite-level athlete, yeah. there's something here. And that started this whole process of producing bars, testing them with therapists and clients and athletes. Um, launching a business, which was called Ripcore FX. And then after we had done maybe 12 or 13 educational offerings, which is an eight hour course, TRX started kind of their ears perked up and was like, well, who are these guys and what are they doing? And boy, they've got a cool product because it's kind of fitness anywhere, right? You can do it anywhere, anytime, any fitness level can use it. Um, you can use it for strength. You can use it for mobility. You can use it for balance. You can use it for speed, acceleration and power. And we started having some discussions with them and they ended up acquiring the company. And that's when I started working for TRX. That's awesome. You know what I love about the story that you were just telling is that everything was coming together, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you had to go through the loss of your original invention to learn the lessons. You had to have the martial arts background, right? You know, and then of course you have that, we're all uniquely designed. I, I don't know if I would have been lying in bed uh, and looking at my rod in my closet that was holding my clothes to say, oh, well, you know, that looks like a, a device. But, but you know, yeah. somewhere between the, the mind that you were created with, the physical therapy background, the martial arts, you see a staff that could be having some tension on one end and, you know, you go to work on it. I mean, do you ever look at your life and just say, you know, everything as I look back, you know, the pieces start to fit together? And, you know, I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I, they do. And I, I think it's interesting. Um, I, I know this is so cliche, but I'm going to say it anyhow, where there's a will, there's a way. Mm -hmm. Meaning, you know, if you look at, if you look at um, uh, water, you know, and, and it's water's flowing, and you try to put sandbags to stop the water, right? Let's say it's you're down in Mississippi and the water rises and you're having hurricane season or whatever. And you, they put up these sandbags, the water kind of finds a way out, right? Like right. there's, unless you've got some impenetrable dam it always, there's always a weak spot. Well, there can always be a strong spot in that same, you know, inverted 
where there's you can wiggle and squirm and this is why i like watching mixed martial arts and jujitsu and combative martial arts because under the highest levels of stress where people are going to get knocked out in front of their friends and their family and their girlfriends and wives etc and hum not humiliated but you know knocked out and hurt sure. they, yeah. they, they have to figure out a way to win and it's not just about the bigger stronger faster guy or gal it's about smarts and intelligence and in, in solving the puzzle so i've always just i guess you know like to solve puzzles and i always feel that you there's a lot more that we can do than we give ourselves credit for yeah and you hear you know our former, um, my former boss at T-Rex, his name is Randy Hetrick, and he was a Navy SEAL. And you'll hear the SEAL, by the way, he was a SEAL team leader for SEAL Team 6, which is the team that brought down Osama bin Laden. So they're kind of no joke. It's the elite of the elite. But you hear, hear SEALs talk about this all the time. And, and they put them in environments where it's impossible. I, I, there's no way I can climb a a 40 foot, you know, barge in ice cold water without gloves on, on a slick rope, yeah. solve the problem. And that's, that's what they get every day. And after enough of those occasions, the, the mind kind of sw switches instead of going, that's impossible. This is so hard. I don't like this. This is too much for me to going, wow, that's a unique challenge. This is interesting. Oh, so you're going to, you're going to put me out there. Okay, coach, I got you. Watch what I can do. And that little shift in mindset is everything. And, you know, that's what I try to focus on. I love the little quote, uh, you know, I mean, maybe people have heard it a lot before, but, you know, it's, it's under pressure that diamonds are created, right? You know, getting used to being under that pressure and thinking your way through it. And now it's just evolving into where you always, I, that's why I love being around you. You know, there's more and more ideas. You know, what, what made you think of the glue tribe? Uh, again, solving a problem. I'm in a gym. I love, if you don't know what the glute drive is, it's a plate loaded hip thrust machine. So if you're into health or fitness, or if you've ever had a knee or back injury, you've probably done an exercise called a glute bridge where you lay on your back, your knees are bent at 90 degrees, and you kind of lift your pelvis off the, off the turf. And that fires the glutes. The glutes are the powerhouse of the core, and they, they you know, help us with sit to stand, sprinting, running, cutting, pivoting, and also they, you know, they're nice to have on the beach. You don't want aesthetically <laughs> pleasing. Yeah. As we used to say in TRX, we want apples, not applesauce. So, um, so I, I love this exercise. Now there's a hip thrust. It's just a glute bridge on steroids. You put your back up on a bench and now you have more range of motion. And if you want to really get after it, you put a weight on your lap, like a dumbbell or a barbell. And then now you've got a resistive exercise and you can progressively overload it and strengthen over time. So I, I was doing this with a client and he was complaining about his shoulders hurting because sometimes if your back's elevated on a back pad, it kind of digs in your shoulders. And so I said, here, put this Airx foam pad. An Airx foam pad is like a 18 by 18 inch square pad. It's got, it's kind of foamy. It's really comfortable. Mm -hmm. And so I put it behind his back and he starts to do the hip thrust. And I noticed the pad articulating with his back, like perfectly mm -hmm. on, on a perfect fulcrum. And I said, why isn't there a bench that does that and articulates during the hip thrust? And with that, I drew it up. I went to Ursa. It was, it was like two weeks before I went to Ursa, which is that big trade show where all the new greatest and latest stuff comes out. And I walked the floor because I said, There's, somebody's got to have done this, created this. 
I walk the floor, every booth, even the little Chinese 10 by 10 foot booths that are selling like tens units and stuff in the far corner. And I, and I did not see one machine like this. And I started to Google it. I looked at the United States Patent and Trademark Office. I filed for a patent. I drew it up. I went to my fabricator in Carbondale, uh, Colorado. And, you know, two years later, I approached Nautilus and they said, yeah, this is pretty cool. I think we're interested. And I asked Jeff Diltz, who's the head of innovation at Nautilus, I said, how many do you think will sell the first year? I'm all excited. I like, I landed Nautilus. I mean, talk about, you know, killing the whale. This is Moby Dick, right? All right. Um, and, and he says, well, we, it's a new piece of strength. It takes some time to get traction. Maybe, maybe we'll do a couple hundred units the first year. Now, in my head, I'm, I'm doing the math because I've got a royalty deal. And I'm like, do, 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 do. And I was like, do, do, do. Oh. I said, this is nothing. 200 units. That's going to be nothing. I, it won't even cover my patent that I've gotten issued. And so I was kind of downtrodden. And then I thought to myself, he, I don't believe he knows what he's talking about. This is the time is right. Hip thrusts are popular. This is the best machine on the market. This is going to be a hit. And the first year and a half, we sold 3,000. Wow, there you go. All right. <laughs> wow. Hey. And, and, and they are, by the way, not just in the United States. They are in Biograd, Serbia, which I've never even heard of. Australia, New Zealand, Iceland, Ireland, you know, Japan, Korea, South America, Canada. It's unbelievable. So good. So good. You know, the hip thrust, we do a lot of hip thrust at Journey. We Nova. do. Yeah, we do yeah. a lot. We Some, play Marvin Gaye. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, just, just to set the mood. Now, well, right. Well, right. right, right, well, right. That's what will be in fun. That's just part of the demonstration process. <laughs> but that being said, as a physical therapist, what do you think about glute bridges, hip thrusts for people yeah. with back pain? Um, because I know I have listeners. And it's, Listen, there's some folks on here that are my age or older, and, you know, we start to have things ache a little bit. So can you talk from that perspective? 100% one of the gold standard strengthening exercises for the glutes, the low back, and the posterior knee. So I don't care what kind of stuff you got going on with your knees. If you can't do a squat, I guarantee you can do a glute bridge or a hip thrust. If you have low back pain, you've got to strengthen up that posterior chain. And keep in mind, the glutes are truly the powerhouse of the core. So if you're doing a lot of squats and leg extensions and, and thrusters and stair-stepping, those are all great exercises, but we become what's called quad dominant, meaning the quads are a very powerful muscle group and you can see them in the mirror and they're kind of fun to work out, you know, because you see those teardrops forming. The problem is you need equal strength on the back, the hamstrings and the glutes. And until you have that symmetry from front to back, you're going to be plagued with problems. And of course, your performance won't be the same. So I am a huge proponent of any kind of glute bridge, single leg, double leg, hip thrust, single leg, double leg. Uh, you can put hip abduction bands around the thighs to get the glute medius and the external rotators involved. And in fact, I do those literally, I did them this morning with a client. Every, every day I use those with clients. So Wow, I just love the way you get fired up too when you talk about it. So Pete, I mean, we haven't even talked about the book Cruise that you released and all that kind of stuff, but um, what are you most excited about now? You know, what, what are we? I, I'm, I'm very excited, folks. I've been working on a project. These things take time, by the way. I'm sure. Um, I've been working on another glute training product. I had so much success with the glute drive. 
but the problem with that machine is it's a commercial machine and it's like three thousand dollars you know you're not going to get this for your home although a lot of people to be honest through covid a lot of people have purchased these for their garages and homes and i'm like kind of blows my mind but the the average person doesn't have three grand to blow on it on a glute training piece um but it doesn't mean the glutes aren't important and it doesn't mean we that we don't need new and novel and unique ways to train the glutes at home and so i've been working on a product uh, for in-home consumer glute training that's going to be under a thousand dollars and it's i'm telling you guys mark my words this is the first i've talked about this on any podcast or anything this product will be my greatest product to date and i think it could be an, an international success i honestly have that much confidence in it wow so awesome i love wow. you know i don't know about you but like when i'm hearing him talk i get like this image of like being in the lab with Pete and seeing his latest invention, you know, or almost like uh, Back to the Future, right? Yeah. There was Marty and Doc, right? You know, you're like Doc, you know, and I just want to see what's going on in the lab. You know, what's he creating now? Oh, so cool, so cool. You know, Pete, uh, people, uh, people may not know where they can get the different educational information. You're always putting out some very cool stuff about exercise technique and, and there's just a ton of reasons to follow you being a presenter and author and inventor mm-hmm. uh how can people uh follow you get in touch uh whatever yeah it's great i mean i guess the the best stop for one-stop shopping is my website which is ph1 which is my initials pete holman ph1 the number one ph1 performance.com and it's got my instagram and twitter and stuff but my instagram is pete holman one the number one and quick story behind the one, because people think, oh, that just was a name that was available. So in my martial arts training, after two years, two and a half years, I received my black belt, which is called the first Don, your first degree black belt. And I kept training and competing. And remember, I was in graduate school. I had no money. And testing is very expensive. It's time consuming. And it, it, it what like I wasn't really focused on testing I was focused on competing at the international level and so my instructors kept putting pressure on me you got to test for your second degree black belt you got to get this going I said coach I have no money it's like 400 bucks and I'm focused on sparring I'm focused on strength and conditioning I don't want to focus on testing and it was it was a sore spot for some of the orthodox people in my taekwondo uh, faction but this whole time when I was, a, when I, t- I took third place in St. Petersburg at the, at the world championships, I was still a first degree black belt. I was competing against six, seventh, eight, you know, degree black belts that have been doing it for 20 years. And I was still a first degree black belt. So I hold great pride in that, you know, number one, I kind of did it my way yeah. and that you can be a first on, which is kind of a baby black belt and still do amazing things in this life, you know, symbolic to business and relationships and everything else, you can be a first on and still accomplish whatever you want as long as you set your mind to it. Yeah, that is awesome. That is a really cool story. Wow. Yeah, there's some inspiration right there. That's interesting. You know, for people that don't know, like when you hear black belt, I always, I always think that's the top, Mm -hmm. like black belts, black belt. It's like, black belt you said is the baby <laughs> like i mean yeah. because then you go what like double black belt like you well, know it's interesting because for people that don't know you just hear your whole life you're like oh he's a black belt or she she got her black belt so you just think that's the top of the chart you know? yeah that's that's um 
it's kind of like your baby, you're, you're a fetus, you know, and you're just starting, you, wow. you know enough that, you know, you suck basically. Cause up to then you think you're a badass, you know, you're a blue belt, you're a red belt and you think you're pretty cocky and then you get to be a black belt and people start treating you differently. They expect more out of you in sparring, the sparring intensifies, you know, and I was in this class uh, in Lakewood, Colorado. Uh, and we had, I'd say 14 black belts and upper. And I, you know, some of these were gals that were on the US team. And Mary Fleet had the nastiest sidekick you've ever seen. And she would knock your spleen out every time she kicked you. And she was only 160 pounds, but like you did not want to get kicked by Mary. And so that class, that school, I surrounded myself with people that were better than me. And within six or nine months, I mean, I literally went from kind of like this putz that was getting my head smacked around to one of the top people in the class because I, I just kept showing up and, and, and training with elite level computer competitors. That was actually going to be my question. And maybe that's the answer. And maybe there's another answer. But I was just wondering, uh, what is it that martial arts, the discipline of it, uh, the discipline of Taekwondo, how do you think that it helps you? Uh, be the successful person that you are. Uh, and th this is probably, I'm glad you asked that, Travis, because this is probably the most profound thing that you'll hear in this interview. Uh, and for anything, business, relationships, spirituality, faith, um, and certainly athletics, it's about the process. And you, you have to embrace the process. You have to know that you're going to suck when you start. Uh, you know, like when I started business, you just have to suck it up and know that you're going to be terrible and you have to learn and grow and evolve, utilize your resources, the process of understanding martial arts. And once I knew once I was like a white belt and, you know, I was, I was okay. And then I tested for my yellow belt. And I, by the way, I didn't mention, I was a pretty good soccer player. I was on a competitive soccer team before like my, my real teenage developmental years, I was really good at soccer. And I was a goalie and I was great with my feet. Um, and then soccer, I guess, wasn't cool. And I tried to play lacrosse and I, and then I, you know, my junior year, you know what happened there. <laughs> my background was soccer. If you remember Kobe Bryant, his background was soccer. And so about my yellow belt, they would ask me to do like a kick, you know, like, Hey, this is a really hard kick. This is a side kick. We usually don't teach this until you're further along, but here, just try it home. And, and I, bam, side kick. And the instructor's like, do that again bam sidekick he's like how are you doing that i'm like i don't know because i was used to running full speed on a soccer pitch and having a ball cross the field and try to kick it in midair and so i was very dexterous with my legs and my feet mm. and so once i once i started to understand i had some gifted uh, talent in this i just immersed myself and it was all about the process the coach said hey you got to stretch every day what did i do I stretched every day. Hey, you got a strength and condition to work on speed, power, explosiveness, balance. What did I do? I got a personal training certification to learn how to do all that stuff. Hey, you got to have the mindset of a champion. What did I do? I meditated. I read Bruce Lee books. I surrounded myself with, with Kung Fu movies and I just immersed myself in that process. It ended up working for graduate school, ended up working for business, ended up working for, you know, maintaining successful, healthy relationships. So it's all about the process all about the process and taking massive action. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I mean, like, you know, and I guess that's, that's how you do the process. You have to take action. But when somebody 
tell when you find your passion, when you discover your gifts, now don't let them die. You know, don't don't let the don't die with the music still in you. Learn the process and take action. That's so good. So good. Wow. One more time, Pete. How can people get in touch? Uh, ph1performance.com. And I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Pete Holman or yeah, Pete Holman one. Remember first on one. Uh, and yeah, follow me. If you, if you need anything ever from me, just reach out. I, I try to help people out. I love, um, I love overcoming adversity yeah. and I love helping others overcome adversity. And by the way, I'm still in the process. Trust me. I, I didn't get into the details about my contracts with TRX and Nautilus and all this, but you know, it is not like somebody doesn't show up with a silver briefcase and a million dollars and drop it in your lap. Yeah. It is, that has not happened yet. Trust me. I am still in the fight. I am in the trenches, but this next one, this could be it folks. So excited. <laughs> we can't wait. We're excited. Yeah. So uh, excited. Love well, it. Thank you for the honor of uh, having you on the show today. Thank you so much. Yeah. Bless you guys. Thank you for everything you're doing. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Overcomers Podcast sponsored by Journey 333. When I am not hosting the Overcomers Podcast, I am working at one of our fitness franchises so that I can continue to help people overcome adversity on a daily basis. That's right, people come to the Journey 333 fitness franchises because they want a coach in their life. They want somebody to help them overcome the adversities of life, motivate them to higher levels of greatness, bring out their potential, help them lose weight, get off medications, fight depression, fight anxiety. That's what we do on a regular basis. If you feel like you want your life to be about helping more people to overcome their adversities, if you feel like you're an overcomer and you want to create more overcomers, then maybe owning a Journey 333 franchise would be for you. To find out more, go to www.journeyfitness333.com.